Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast, a podcast with in-depth interviews and conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, expert coaches, industry leaders, and international celebrities. Get exclusive insight into the world of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle with your host, Mark Sefton. want to welcome you to this next episode of the brains magazine podcast and today you know we're approaching the end of the year and i can't think of a better individual to have uh, than jack canfield i'm slightly uh excited for this one slightly apprehensive as well because i really want to make sure that i do our listeners justice as well as myself and obviously create a real positive experience for jack too jack is known as america's number one success coach Jack has authored over 200 books, which I find absolutely staggering. He's also a speaker and an entrepreneur. Jack, how are you today? I'm really great. Thank you. I was thinking, you know, I've got one of your books here right in front of me. It's uh, The Success Principles, and um, it's a book that I thoroughly loved. And I probably read it about seven years ago about how to get from where you are to where you want to be. And Jack, I'm just wondering, after 200 books that you've you've authored, do you have anything left to say? <laughs> yeah, I do, actually. I'm right now working on four books. Uh, one's about choosing love over fear. Another one is uh, stories of people who've actually read the success principles or taken a workshop for me and had their life radically transformed. So I'm about mm, 89% finished with that. I'm writing a book called The Power of Wow, How to Create Wow Experiences for Your Clients. And I'm doing a book uh, called the uh, Abundance Experience Workbook. It's all about the law of attraction and creating abundance in your life. So, yeah, I've got a lot left to say. <laughs> so I'm interested, Jack, with, with your books then. Do you find like you have to live a little after you've wrote a book to then kind of focus on what you're going to talk about? And are these books based on kind of a, a history of kind of what you've observed and, and understood, or are these recent learnings and reflections that you've had that you're now writing about? I think in general, there's a lifetime of experience. I'm 78. So when I wrote the success principles, I was uh, probably more like in my sixties. And, um, and that was a accumulation of like my entire life of studying success, which I started when I was in my twenties worked with a man named W. Clement Stone, who was worth a, he would be a billionaire today by inflationary standards, he was worth $600 million. And um, so I had all that experience from my 20s until my 60s in studying success and researching it to write that book, which has 66, well now it's 67 principles of success because we updated it uh, in there. And, and then certain things like love and fear, I've been looking at that dynamic for probably 30 years and uh, and every once in a while, like the law of attraction, you know, I was in the movie, The Secret, and so that became more of a focus for me. I realized that a lot of what I was teaching was that and didn't realize it was called that law of attraction. And um, so that came out of that experience. And right now I'm actually working on another workbook that a woman and I are doing. She's a, an expert in, in energy and crystals and essential oils and chakras and all that. And she's managed to identify each of the success principles that we teach with a chakra in the body, you know, the yoga system of chakras, an essential oil, a crystal, and a sound, like a chant. And um, 
So it's a card deck that comes with it. And you basically ask, you hold the cards, you ask yourself a question, you put the cards out like a tarot reader would have you do. You pick one and that principle, and this is the eerie part, is always the right answer for what the person's wanting to do. And then you basically take that and you read the, the chapter in the book on that principle and it tells you what meditation to do, what crystal you might want to carry in your pocket, what essential oils you might want to diffuse or inhale or whatever. So it's like, I just keep learning stuff. Like recently, the last five years, I've been going to the rainforest and doing ayahuasca, which is a plant medicine. And so eventually I'll write about that. That that would be a more recent thing, like when you asked, because that's new. I hadn't done that before, but I think it's the most powerful therapeutic experience one can have. Yeah, I know somebody who's done that and has been to the the rainforest recently and uh, has been amazed by by the results of of that. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Going back to this this collaboration that you're doing around the success principles, then was this uh, the lady's idea or was it yours? And how how hard is it for somebody to say, "Hey, Jack, do you want to write a book with me?" <laughs> <laughs> this was her idea actually uh she had been a student of mine uh many years ago and took one of my train train i train trainers to teach these and we now have about four thousand five hundred certified trainers in 117 countries teaching them and she was one of those people and then she got into reiki which is an energy form and so forth anyway it was her idea uh, i it's not hard for people to write me <laughs> i get requests probably once a week would you co-author this book with me and so forth? It's uh, it's hard to get me to say yes. I mean, I only have so much bandwidth, you know, but I've written a couple of children's books with people that have approached me and uh, uh, a book for coaches. And I, I did a successful workbook with a guy named Brandon Hall who, who approached me and said, we ought to turn this into a workbook. So that came out a couple of years ago. Have you always had like that spiritual side to you as well, Jack? So I haven't really noticed that so much about about your journey, or is that me not not kind of looking deep enough, or or is this something that you've always been curious about? I I I would say I started to be curious when I was in graduate school uh, at the University of Massachusetts in the School of Education when I was introduced to meditation and yoga and. Um, it's not something that shows up in a very blatant way in my writing, uh, but there's spiritual principles underlying everything. You know, like if you take the principle that the universe is working for you, it's not against you, it's not things that happen for you, not to you. That's a spiritual principle, but it's, I don't present it in such a way that it is. I do have a chapter in my book uh, called Inquire Within, which is about meditation, trusting your intuition, inner guidance, and so forth. Um, but, and, and it's, it's, I used to call myself a plainclothes consciousness commando, you know, it was like it was behind enemy lines going into corporations, you know, and teaching meditation and stuff. And I looked like I was a senator. I, I put on a suit and tie and I looked very, you know, traditional. In my 20s, I had long hair and a beard. You know, I was not a drug hippie, but I was definitely a part of that, you know, culture back in the 60s and 70s. Um, but for me, meditation has been a constant part of my life. And then done a lot of spiritual retreats, you know, with the Sufi masters and Hindu teachers and, um, you know, Buddhist teachers and so forth. Uh, but it's more along the lines of just my own spiritual growth. Although I've started now to teach meditations in every class I do. And, and when I do live trainings, which I haven't done much of since the pandemic, we have guitar and guitar and we sing and chant and do things like that. But it's not part of my 
a major public persona, if you will. Yeah, it's kind of a nice surprise uh, there, Jack. Now, you've got so much vast wealth of experience. Uh, I'm just wondering, has the landscape view really drastically changed o- over the years? Like, have you seen the involvement of, say, entrepreneurship and the way that we learn? Yeah, I think I've seen the uh, everything's evolved. It's like it's happening so fast. You know, you can't keep up with it. Back one of my friends just said evolution up until technology was slow. You know, the 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 tigers got faster, but so did the things they were chasing. You know, or they'd they'd eat all their food and there'd be nothing left. So evolution, everything's adapting, but technology is adapting so fast we can hardly keep up with it. You know. And like AI and the, the effect of social media, I think, has had an impact that none of us foresaw, much of which is negative in terms of the kids uh, committing suicide. Everyone's comparing themselves. Kids don't talk to each other anymore. Uh, they're constantly, you know, um, feeling like they're not good because their face isn't airbrushed, you know, on, on uh, Instagram. And so there's a lot of challenges with it. As far as entrepreneurship goes, yeah, I think entrepreneurs... There's more of them, I think, and with the technology, every, everyone can become an entrepreneur on the internet. Um, and so there's been a just an explosion of internet marketing uh, gurus, if you will, and and all of that kind of technology stuff. We had to switch to virtual everything when the pandemic happened, and so did everyone else. I mean, if if you had invested in Zoom four years ago, <laughs> you'd be retired, you know. But me too, and I didn't. Um, but the reality is that. Uh, I think everyone's aware that education is is important. And so people are reading more, they're watching more TED Talks, they're watching more YouTube videos, listening to more podcasts like yours. Uh, and uh, because you can do it in your car, you can do it when you're running with mm-hmm. earpods and so forth. So it's, it's, um, it's an educational universe. And there's more competition than there ever was before as well. I mean, there's a, so much competition for people's headspace, airspace, eyeballs. Mm. you know yours and so forth but it keeps keeps evolving in a good way and you know i think more and more people are solving problems through entrepreneurship the government doesn't seem to do it very quickly but entrepreneurs do that's the truth yeah i uh don't even get me started on politics it always makes me laugh like that the the two front contenders for both the uk and the us and i'm thinking is is this really the best that our countries can offer at the forefront and I'm seeing people like in entrepreneurship, uh, in leadership that uh, I'd want to follow them more than I would some of the people that you know lead our countries. It's crazy. Absolutely, no, it's true that that, and there's social entrepreneurship as well. You know, people that are really doing entrepreneurship for social causes, if you will, or to solve problems that we have out there, in a way that. And then there's so much more because of the internet. There's so much more inner communication people are sharing you know kind of open platform energy that goes on we're all learning from each other constantly and everybody's part of some you know 25k a year group where they get together and share ideas and um, it's very exciting and I get a couple of newsletters about the positive things that are happening in the world the solutions that are constantly being come up with you know where now they can take carbon dioxide or carbon monoxide monoxide out of the air Mm. and basically turn it into rocks and then now it's sequestered in the earth, you know, constantly solving the issues we have that are coming up. And now hydrogen's a big breakthrough that's happening. And one of my friends just started a company where they're transporting hydrogens in these blimps uh, faster than you can do through rail or through uh, ships or through trains and so forth. 
And uh, now they've come up with an idea where you can push pipes through pipes. So if you got these gas pipes, you put another pipe inside it that has hydrogen to the gas stations. So you don't have to create a whole new infrastructure. The infrastructure is there. And this friend of mine is an entrepreneur. So it's it's fascinating to watch. I was going to say, yeah, politicians create problems and entrepreneurs solve them. That's quite funny. Um, mm-hmm. how, how do we stay flexible then, Jack? If we're, if our world that we live in is constantly evolving and adjusting and, and we're seeing more in AI and, and all, all the other stuff around Web 3.0, I, I don't even understand it all myself per se, but how, how do we stay flexible and, and evolve? Because we've, we've seen so many businesses hit the wall because they they don't evolve, they don't adapt, they grow stagnant, and then they don't have relevance, so they they just die. Well, you have to pay attention. One of my chapters in my book, The Success Principles, is about feedback. And there's feedback all the time, if you pay attention to it. There's feedback in your body that tells you you're stressed out, you're overworked, you're scared, whatever. Uh, there's feedback from your customers, if they're leaving you, if they're not staying with you, you know, they're going somewhere else for what it was they were coming to you for. Uh, and then just paying attention to what's happening in the world around you. I'm not a big fan of negative news, but I'm a fan of knowing what's happening. And there are news sources and newsletters and things where you can know. I think the problem is that people get their blinders on. Something's working and they don't want to stop. It becomes a habit, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it change requires it. Change is stressful. There's no question about it. It's uncomfortable. You have to learn new things. You have to do new things. You have to educate yourself. Um I have a formula in my book in the first chapter called E plus R equals O. It stands events plus response equals outcome. And we all want outcomes that that are positive. We want more money. We want more freedom. We want more impact, et cetera. And what happens is the events continually change. You know, the war in Ukraine changed the whole supply chain reality in the world. The the, the transportation of food, there's a recession. The, The Russians are not giving oil to the Europeans now. I mean, there's just all kinds of events that are occurring. The pandemic was a huge event. And so we all had to change our response. I couldn't do live seminars anymore, which is what I'm really best at. I had to go virtual, right? So we had to learn new skills. And it was, I had to learn quick. And basically, I think that's the thing, you know, we talk about agile technology, you have to respond quickly. Everybody should have someone who's paying attention. You know, one of the things that you want to look at, I use the metaphor of surfing. If you're a surfer, you have to start paddling before the wave gets there or the wave just washes over you. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be paying attention to what are the coming trends, what's emerging. And that means paying attention to, Again, those people that are on the cutting edge, those people that are prophetic, those people that are studying trends, et cetera. Um, you know, we look at what happened with uh, cryptocurrency. If you weren't paying attention, you got hit really hard. Um, you didn't respond quickly. I don't think crypto's over, but I think it's going to be very, very well differently shaped than it's been up until now. Uh, there's going to be more regulation. There's going to be fewer currencies, et cetera. Uh, but I think it's a valuable thing. So I think in general, it's a matter of just paying attention and, and being willing to change, being willing. This is something I researched. I, I didn't research. I read the research recently. A psychologist at Pepperdine University in Malibu, California, uh, did a study and found out the people who are willing to be most uncomfortable are the people who are become the most successful. In other words, the more willing you are to experience discomfort. You know, you look at our human potential field. If you're willing to do a Wim Hof bath and get an ice water every morning, you know, that, that's uncomfortable, but you're probably going to be healthier. You know, if you go out and run, if you do yoga and stretch, if you go to the gym and work out, you know, 
all, all the, the Navy SEALs, they're probably the fittest people on the planet. Is that fun? No, that's, un, that's uncomfortable. But the reality is, if you're willing to be uncomfortable, to take risks, financial risks, stand up in front of people, talk to venture capitalists, ask for money, you know, uh, be willing to admit when you made a mistake and so forth. Those are the people I think that if you look at them, they are the most successful. So you've got to be willing to do that. And that, that's a practice you can develop. Yeah, and I think that's why they say that majority of entrepreneurs, they tend to come from like uh, a problematic uh, family because they had to learn how to overcome at a young age, face adversity at a young age, able to adapt. And then that serves them later on. We've already talked about how, you know, the essence of business is really to solve a problem. And, and like you were saying about feedback and paying attention, that's really how we then adapt and, and and adjust to the ever-changing world we live in but i it is really interesting isn't it that the most the people that are embrace like the, those moments of uncomfortableness are, are the ones that are actually seeing the greatest success which for me you know totally resonates mm -hmm. yeah now jack you're america's number one success coach are you addicted to success no, I think for a, a part of my life, I was, um, I needed to prove to myself I was worthy of being here, worthy of love, worthy of respect, worthy of attention. So there was a neurotic aspect in the beginning. Um, I think what happened over time is I did my own personal growth. I realized I didn't need external validation for my internal greatness, if you will. I mean, we all have a gift. You know, to some of us, it's writing. Some people, it's being great mechanics and inventors, entrepreneurs, musicians, bakers, you know, whatever. And if you can discover what your gift is and do that, then the fulfillment that comes from that is intrinsic. You know, it's like it doesn't need external validation. I don't keep score. My self-worth is not dependent on my net worth. However, your net worth is dependent on your self-worth. <laughs> which means that you have to feel valuable and feel worthy of your ideas and expressing them and so forth if you want to build, uh, I think, a high high net worth. And also, my good friend Ivan Meisner comes to mind who started BNI. You know, your net worth is equal to your network as well, which means you're willing to engage people. You know, it's uh, very important. Yeah, we love Ivan and... Uh... It's great to see what he's achieved as well. Just having that, you know, that ability to adapt as well and, and solve problems. He's definitely at the heart of that. Now you've taught millions of people, Jack, who teaches you? I have a lot of people that I lean to right now. I mean, in the early days, I had a lot of mentors, uh, you know, growing up. And then now I'd say most of my education comes from several sources. Number one would be the books I read. You can see behind me, I've read over 3,000 books, so I'm very well educated on this field I'm in. Uh, I go to a lot of seminars, so I take notes and apply what I learn. I watch YouTube videos, TED Talks, TEDx Talks, um, and you know, I wouldn't say there's any one person. And I, so I created something about 15 years ago called the Transformational Leadership Council. Everyone in the world who does the kind of work I do, the John Grays of the world, the Ivan Meisers of the world, the, you know, I can go down the list of people that you know. And there was no association for people who ran transformational live experiential training groups. And uh, now there's 115 of us in that organization. 
we meet twice a year. We all teach each other. We have little kind of, you know, hour long workshops we do that we all attend during the day and at night we play and have fun. So pretty much constantly learning. Have you ever had a, a situation, because you said you go to seminars, like where somebody is doing a seminar and you walk in and they're like shocked. You must have a funny story of that where you, you completely like took them by surprise. Um, I think so. You know, sometimes people that are just starting out in the field, and maybe I'm at a conference and then they're doing a, a presentation. And I walk in the back of the room and I watch them kind of freeze a little bit. <laughs> I did that once. I remember I was this was like 30 years ago, I was running a workshop at a conference, you know, a breakout session. And Tony Robbins walked into the back of the room with about four people as tall as he was. And I said, Oh, my God, Tony Robbins is in my workshop, you know. So uh, yeah, that happens. I think what is more shocking is the people that are the participants see me in there as a participant, you know, why is he here? You know, I went to a Bob Proctor workshop last, right before he died. Mm -hmm. And uh, everyone was coming up like, Oh, my God, why are you here? I love Bob. I learn a lot from him, you know, so um, I think we need to make ourselves, we need, maybe humble is the wrong word, but we need to put ourselves at the feet of other people because, you know, you know, a ton of stuff I don't know. And I know some stuff you don't know. And then there's a third person, no stuff that neither of us know. We need to learn from each other. That's true. Curiosity, I think, is one of my key values. And, and you know, I, I'm always fascinated by human behavior and you know, I think my responsibility, even hosting a podcast for brains is very much, you know, I need to get out of you the essence of what's going to liberate me as well as everybody else listening. So I, I can't remember who said it. It may be Jim Rohn. You'd probably know better than me, you know, and it was very much around, you know, asking great questions is, is one of the, like the keys, isn't it, to really uh, getting the most out of these interactions. Yeah, and I think, you know, Werner Erhard, who started Lightspring, which became, S, which became Landmark, always said, live in the question, not the answer. You know, if you're always in a, in a curious mode, you're living with the question uh, and not like going to like premature closure. Uh, and that goes back to what we were saying earlier about being open to change and what's emerging, you know, to be asking that question rather than, um, you know, my wife has a wonderful phrase. She says, you always want to be interested rather than interesting you know, when you're in a conversation or whatever, like, you know, if you're trying to impress people, you're not learning anything new. I remember I worked for a guy who was my boss way back when I was in my 20s. His name was Billy Sharp, and you were in this foundation I worked for. And he brought in this expert to his office one day, and he just asked him about 30 questions, and then he left. And he asked a few of his younger people to just come in and sit in on it. And it was over. I said, Billy, you know, you never said one thing about the work we do. He said, I know about the work we do. I don't know anything about what he did. Why would I waste my time trying to impress him? Wow. <laughs> so it was That was a big aha for me when I was in my 20s. Yeah, that is because there is, there is so much noise. I mean, like you said, in the world we live in now, especially on the online space, everybody has the potential or opportunity to be an entrepreneur or at least entrepreneurial. What would you say is the best way to help people learn? Well, I think I think learning, I think the deepest learning that really sticks is when you have an experience. You know, that's why we say a lot of people that teach at business schools never ran a business. But if you go out there and start a business, you are definitely going to learn a lot quickly. And I think I said in, a, in a, an article I submitted to you that, you know, the fast track to spiritual growth is get married 
have children and start a business. Everything that's not clear is going to come roaring back up in your face very quickly from your clients, from your employees, from your vendors, from your wife, from your kids, whatever. And so I am part of that world that creates trainings where you go and then you have an exercise you do. And out of that exercise, you have an aha. And it sticks with you because you learned it. I mean, I give you an example of the kind of thing we do. Um, you know, I learned this one from a, a, a guy named Marshall Goldsmith, who's a great coach. And he works with like the CEO of Ford Motor Company and people like that. And he learned that basically CEOs don't get the, they don't access the information that exists around them from the lower levels of the company. And so he would get people to start asking your receptionist, ask the doorman, what do they know about this? So for so we he created this exercise where if you and I, and let's say we have 20 people in a training, I say, what's one thing you want to change in your life, Mark? And you say, well, I'd like to lose 20 pounds. And great. So now you go around and you say to everyone in the group, they go up to you, you go up to them and say, Mark, my name's Jack. Can, and I would say, I want to add 10,000 new trainers to my training program. Can you give me one good idea? And you say, yeah, take out an ad and brains or something. I mean, great, good idea. Then I And you say to me, um, you know, I'd like to lose 20 pounds. What's, a, you know, do you have one good idea for me? I say, yeah, don't buy food you don't want to eat. Don't have it in your pantry, you know, and clean it out. And so now you've got an idea and you do that with 20 people. Now you've got 20 ideas. And what you learn from that is you're not accessing your environment. I could tell you, you should start asking more people what to do. You won't do it. But after that exercise, you will, because you begin to go, oh my God, this is an amazing resource. So it's experiential as opposed to information. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. It's wonderful. Love that. And it's yeah. it's practical as well. So I think there's no excuse people listening to that. They can start thinking about who they can really kind of like open themselves up to. Again, I think curiosity is really in feedback, which is something that's really come through. Uh, the interview already. I'm just wondering, Jack, you know, do you ever get tired of always like being on point and, and showing up? You know, how how do you reconcile maybe some of your bad days while not suppressing, you know, a tough day? How how do you go about that? Well, I don't I love what I do. I, I, I'm not as in love with the travel as I used to be. I think the pandemic cured me of that, you know, because I, I would sometimes be on the road for 17 days and I'd come home. My wife was like, am I still married? You know, it's like, um, you know, I'd do a tour of the Middle East or a tour of Asia or whatever. Um, and I love the work. I love being in a training room. So I don't get tired of that. I did start to get a little tired of just doing Zoom calls all day long. Mm -hmm. uh, because I, I miss the experiential stuff that we were talking about where I'm in a room and get everyone up hugging each other. We can, we can do exercises in pairs and small groups and so forth. So that is not as much in my life. Um, I think that one thing that gets me down is when I have uh, book deadlines and I'm behind and then I'm like, I'm in stress because I've got to get this done. And my wife says, can we go to a movie tonight? I said, no, I got to get that done, you know? Um, so that, is when it's down. I don't get, I don't get down much anymore. You know, I've forgiven everybody. So I'm not angry at anything. I eat well, I cleanse, I meditate. I use essential oils, which are good to energize you. Um, I can't say I never get upset. That would be a lie. If I get, my big thing is if I get lost and I'm late, <laughs> I get edgy, you know, mm. uh, but other than that, 
Um, not much. Not Pretty, much. you're cool as a cucumber, are you? There you go. I'll I'll, inter- I'll interview your wife next and 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 see. <laughs> someone said, someone told me once whenever they do a, a a biography of someone and they're interviewing them, they always have their wife present. And it's like, that's not true, honey. You don't do that. <laughs> Yeah, there was a funny one with Samuel L. Jackson and his wife that did the rounds a couple of years ago, which I thought was hilarious because she she just busted his chops every time he answered. She was like, uh, that isn't true. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So funny. Who and what is really impressing you at the moment, Jack? I think Joe Dispenza's work is really powerful, um, just very profoundly integrating spirituality and science. I like his work a lot. I think, um, you know, Tony Robbins keeps evolving his work. I like that. There's a lot of young people coming up. I can't think of all their names. Well, Lisa Nichols is a, a wonderful storyteller. She teaches storytelling and is a, she's an African-American who's in The Secret. You may have seen her um, through the number of books. She read Chicken Soup for the African-American Soul with me. And um, she's, I, I always learn when I'm, I'm with her. I think Gay Hendricks is a guy who's writing some good work right now and doing some good trainings. Um, uh, oh, Mary Morrissey is doing some wonderful work with people. And, and, uh, she's she, she used to be a minister, but then she decided to just do public work. Um, she's training coaches and individuals and amazing work. There's a number of can't think of her name right now but she's doing some great work with women entrepreneurs um in new york um, marcy shimoff's doing great work on happiness uh, i think her work's very very important mm. and i think um who's the guy that wrote um the the the, the, the beliefs work um from australia can't think of his name as a biologist um I don't know why I can't think of his name right now, but his his work's very profound. I think whenever people are Americans mar- marrying science and psychology, mm. neuroscience work, this work on positive psychology, for example, that's coming out of the University of Pennsylvania, I think is really important. There's so many breakthroughs right now in neuroscience. I mean, I just read a book by a woman. I can't think of her name either, but it was um, literally you can change what she calls your your mindset set point from negative to positive within 12 weeks. Wow. You can be a totally negative person, pessimistic, et cetera. And she has a series of exercises you do. It takes about 35 to 45 minutes a day. But they now have research within 12 weeks, you can absolutely change your mindset, which wow. is you know, extraordinary. And, it, and they do. the thing is now research is happening on all this stuff in universities, you know, all over the world. So it's, it's exciting. I can't keep up with it all. Right, I've got one final question for you, and then Jack, if there's anything burning or any like final message that you want to share, and obviously let people know how they can find out more about you and what you're up to. But my my last question is kind of like a personal question for me, but I think it's really relevant because I I've been having conversations with people, and other people are identifying that this is something that they also struggle with, and it it's around uh, over analyzing. You know, so what's your advice to me and everybody else that? seems to analyze everything you know i seem to put everything under the microscope and a part of that is because i've really embraced one of uh the habits of stephen covey's uh, seven habits of highly effective people which is 
you know, start with the end in mind. Mm. Um, I tend to do that, but then I find that I'm missing out on on being present because I'm constantly analyzing: is this going to take me to where I want to go? Like, what what's your advice for for that? Well, let's put this in a context. Is this is something that uh, Reverend Michael Beckwith came up with? Uh, he's in the secret as well, and talked about four stages of spiritual evolution. The first stage is victim. You know, why God are you doing this to me? Kind of thing. You feel the universe is against you. Second stage, he either calls the manipulator stage or the universal law stage, where you basically become aware there's some laws of the universe, like the law of attraction and so forth. And you start applying those laws, like everything in my book, the success principles, goal setting and visualization, affirmations, belief work, perseverance, taking action, responding to feedback. All of that is the things that you manipulate the universe to create results. You're a manifester. You can also call it the manifester stage. And so doing that work you just talked about, the covey, starting with the end in mind, working backwards is all part of that stage. The, the third stage is when you realize that there's there's if there's these universal laws, there must be a universal law maker. Now, whether it's not like a big guy in the sky with a beard, but there's some energy, which we call God, source energy, infinite intelligence, wisdom, whatever, that's created all this and is creating it and co-creating it and evolving it, that you go, wow, maybe I should be surrendering to that instead of my own ego, because my own ego is what comes up with my goals. So what happens is now I start tuning into intuition. I start being present. I start meditating. I start asking, instead of like intending what I'm going to do, I ask, what would you have me do? So now you're you're surrendering to a higher power, to, to your intuition, to your inner guidance. And then the last stage is when you realize you're co-creating. You are, you're not all of God, but you are God-like. You know, we're creating the image of God, if you listen to that. So one drop of water is not the ocean, but it's still ocean, right? So we're not all of God, but we're, we're, we're God as well. So as you go through your stages of evolutionary awareness of yourself, you stop being so controlling of everything and stop being locked into your, your, your vision, you know, this, no matter what, you know, your perseverance can turn into stubbornness. It can turn into, you know, blinders and not seeing what's around you, other options that are evolving, not being present to the person in front of you because you got 15 things on your goal list today, and then you miss opportunities and so for me, uh, the way I combine stage three and stage two is I tune in to inner guidance, and then I use the tools I know from level two of manipulation and goals and, and all that to create that which I want to, which, which is wanting to be created through me. Uh, Michael says, the evolution of consciousness is occurring through you as you. So mm -hmm. you're raising people's consciousness with the work you do with brains and if you tune in and ask, you know, well, what is it that I need to be doing as opposed to my ego says, I want this to be the biggest magazine or the most people or want to win that award as opposed to, well, what is the opportunity that this is that wants to manifest itself through me as this vehicle for evolutionary change and growth and impact in the world, uplifting people. Oh, that was solid. I, I took notes even like uh, <laughs> on, on that one and I'll, I'll be listening back to, to this which isn't something that is always comfortable to to listen back uh over um though i do find that it's it's important to actually just embrace that and, and reflect and and have your own feedback on on how you uh have a flow of conversation with somebody but jack was brilliant jack is there any any like final thoughts or anything that you want to share that we we haven't that you just feel is really poignant and would serve you and, and the, the listener 
I'll share two things. First, I'll just say how to get in touch with my work. If you're interested is to go to jackcanfield.com. And uh, we have programs, online trainings, products, CDs, all kinds of stuff that can take you to the next level. So jackcanfield.com. And the, the thing I'd like to say at the end of things like this, and I think it's so true and people forget, is that if you're listening to this and you have a dream, you can't have a dream without having the capacity to make it come true. It's not possible. So it may mean that you need to partner up with people. It may mean you need to go get some new training, some certifications. It may mean you may have to go back to school. It may, need you, it may mean you need to go raise some money. Uh, but if you have a dream, you can do it. So believe in yourself. There's a wonderful quote from Muhammad Ali that I've been using in my workshops recently. He says, impossible is a big word used by small people who would rather live in a world that other people have created for them than have the courage to create their own reality. And so I think, you know, he likes to change the word impossible to I'm possible. I possible, I'm impossible. So just if you're listening to this, it's because you want more of something. And whatever it is, you have the capacity to do it. And books like mine, The Success Principles, How to Get From Where You Are to Be, and all the other guests that, that Mark has on the show have the answers for you if you're willing to take them. And as my mentor, W. Clement Stone said, it's one thing to read a book. It's another thing to apply what you learned. Otherwise, you end up with shelf-esteem, lots of books, and no, no reality, <laughs> no changes. So basically, if you get one idea, put it into action. Love that shelf esteem. That's quite a tongue twister, but it's very, uh, very good. Uh, I like that one, Jack. Jack, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I, I hope that you finished the year strong and look forward to these four new books that you're you're working on as well. Thank you. My pleasure, Mark. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for joining this episode with me, Mark Sefton. I hope you've really enjoyed it. Feel free to leave us a positive review on iTunes. And I look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast.